Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Uncomfortable Silence. And today with us, we have Christine Anastasia, and who is someone I've known since she was a, a young girl in Medfield going to high school and would work in for me in the summers and uh, while she attended college, too, I think a little bit and actually had her brother Jimmy work for me, too. So like all of us, we um, lose contact with people over the years. I think I ran into Christine in the Big Y, which is a local uh, shopping mart around here. And um, she does a lot of work with trying to be a life coach for women and their challenges with their children and just being overwhelmed with all the pressures of daily living. And uh, she's going to share some of those thoughts with us. Uh, her group, um, and you can clean me up on this, Christine, is he calls herself the Village Coach Mama. And uh, she's a certified life coach and has a lot of experience with that. So can you um, tell us how you got involved in this as a uh, as a life coach? Yeah, thanks, Mark. And uh, thanks for having me today. Full circle moment. Um, so I think, you know, for all intents and purposes, I, I've probably been coaching all of my life, like even as a child, just of where I sat within my family. But how I really got into to life coaching happened uh, a couple years ago when I was laid off from my position working in higher education. I was uh, at, at Berkeley for almost 11 years in, in higher ed. And, uh, you know, after my, my second child, Zoe, was born, uh, it was in 2019, I, I burned out pretty bad. Um, I was kind of like a vacant soul, just uh, trying to get to work and, and juggle working full time and getting into Boston bringing all my pump parts, uh, you know, working these long hours and and sort of juggling um, the full-time work with raising a young family. And so that was in 2019, right before the pandemic happened. And, you know, once the 2020 happened, I, I got laid off and it was sort of this big invitation for myself as to what I was going to do. Um, and I wasn't sure that sort of going back into full-time work was going to be for me. And I felt like there was this other calling for me that was around, how do people do this? How do people work full-time, raise the young family, keep their lives together? There's just a big void and lack of support. And so over that year, I got my life coaching certification and I had a lot to say about this of just, um, how do you get out of burnout? How do you take care of yourself? How do you manage all these pieces in, in a very busy modern day society that we live in? Yeah, I, I think, uh, I mean, I've watched, especially with COVID, uh, Quentin's age group feeling all this pressure, never mind us as adults, uh, but Quentin's age group, whether it's the pressure of just a culture with uh, sports activities, school, um, make your college decision younger, um, supposed to know what you do with your life, what you want to do for your life at a younger age, which is impossible. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so I always find it interesting with Quentin's got a great group of friends and they are, they talk about it when I see them and I just, I don't remember it ever being that way. Like, mm -hmm. uh, you know, some of the pressures you guys felt quickly. Yeah, well, COVID added like 90,000 different pressures to 
my age group, but there's a lot more pressure in school and stuff now too because of the social media world that never existed 20 years ago. So it's just different challenges. Yeah, and yeah. You have, we should say you have three young children and you're yeah. probably starting to enter, what's your oldest, 10? Uh, Emma is seven. Zoe's oh, going to be five. Okay. So and you're then, not in the social media world yet, but... They're, they're, they're aware of it, though. They're yeah. aware of it, even at that young age. And, um, you know, just saying about, like, the pressures, I think everything is now, it's earlier. So, you know, I, I can already see that there's some anxiousness from even that age that, you know, I think I'm through the woods on the baby stage, but then I see elementary school they're already worried about school and pressures and all of that so I have like a an eye on that of just what's to come as well so I can I can see how everything is sort of already gone down the pipeline to the earlier kids and I think a lot of it is is the kind of the fallout of COVID you know yeah and I I don't know um like I don't know when it started with uh Quentin knows more about that like I think we were late to getting him the phone, trying to put it off as long as possible. But, you know, and how it's intensified now he's 20 and how it's intensified and how it's become such a huge part of their life. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I don't know how you like, how can you picture that in five years when your kids are going from fifth to sixth grade and then into high school? Like, do you have any idea where that's going to be? Well, I know what's already out there. And I think that even whether you're an adult or teen or middle school, like how you interpret information and what is positive and what is negative is that's subjective to like each of us. And I, I think that, I don't know, I don't know yet. I think there's gotta be parameters on, on what we, what we look at, but I think that begins with parents, schools, like it, it's kind of a evolving thing because there's just so much of us are on our phones, even from, from young kids. They, I mean, my second year old has a class called technology. I mean, she, they're already doing a lot of that. I should take that course probably. <laughs> so, but even, um, so, you know, I, I was raised by a single mom, had four kids, worked nights uh, as a nurse so she could raise us or be there during the day when we needed uh, the things to get to school and so on. And I watched Quentin's mom had this strong need to be working. She struck a very motivated to get a degree to then uh, get into the workforce, almost like uh, making her feel better about herself. Mm -hmm. And then that feeling horrible about not being there in her eyes all the time she could for Quentin when he was little. So we got lucky with someone where Quentin spent his time Um but that must play into mom's concerns a lot and pressures and how they feel about themselves getting torn in different directions. Yeah, I think it's um, what's kind of hard about a lot of this is, you know, I think there's a lot of women out there. They're ambitious. They want to, you know, somehow fit their identity into also whatever has happened when they've when they've had kids. And it's very complicated and so it, you know, even for my own mom was there for us and did so much, but it's, it's a different set of circumstances now. So you kind of can't keep up with the, 
things that were done 30 years ago and infiltrate that into working full-time, having both partners working full-time and still try to keep up with uh, just unrealistic things for, for your kids, whether that's like in the schools or volunteering and, and all of these pieces, like everybody wants a piece of you. And I think that you have to realign where you're going to put your focus, how that impacts your job, how it impacts your marriage, all of these pieces. So I really kind of help to have those conversations, help to understand what is actually realistic and feasible in, in sort of the makeup of it. Because I think our time is is pretty limited today. So, you know, it's if it's not your kids, it's your spouse. If it's not that, it's your it's your job. Um, so there's a lot that's pulling at you. And that's where sort of like the overwhelm and the the pressure and the perfectionism comes in because it's not really feasible to do it all. I mean, I, I tried. I, I'm a very productive person. I'm very ambitious, but I, I burned out physically, emotionally, and spiritually. It just vacant. It just all went out the door. <laughs> yeah, I see it in uh, Quinta's age group too, right? You guys feel that pressure, uh, the burning out or trying to get uh, the time management piece. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, lots of sports. I think kids get to like the college age and it's, it might as well be a job at that level and so much time and then kids are trying to figure out how to manage school and then manage playing the sport and then manage having a social life. And then, uh, I mean, most kids that go to play college sports don't end up playing all four years, kind of get burnt out. And then, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of burnout with um, the culture. I can't imagine having three young children like you do, because I can see the, uh, the burnout in the teenagers, early twenties group. And mm-hmm. I mean, I think our culture creates a lot of unnecessary pressure. Uh, mm-hmm. Quinty gave the good example. I mean, when I coached college, we didn't talk to our kids really. Maybe a phone call once in a while, once the season ended, as opposed to now, they can get you on a on their cell phone or try to or engage you into working out with them year round and so on. So that puts more financial pressures on too because they're not. They're not spending that time. We just went home and worked in the summer. Yeah. And, and helped our family's income. You know, we yeah. I worked to help my house uh, financially with my mom. And I don't even know, uh, you know, Quentin's not playing now, but he never had time to even have a job, you yeah. know, to take pressure off. Right. But, well, yeah, and, you, and you ask yourself, like, what what's it all worth? Because I know for myself, when I was kind of, in that state of overwhelm and stressed out of my eyeballs that affect my kids. I could see them just breaking down. And so I had to make some decisions on like, is this really what I want to model and have them sort of go through and that, that intensity and being on that hamster wheel, it's like you make different decisions. I think COVID definitely highlighted that, um, you know, aligning where your values are and, and all of those pieces um, because it, you know, if you stay on that track where um, just kind of keeping up, whatever, if it if it's a job, going on vacations, different things, it's I don't know where your happy is going to come because you're just uh, burning the candle from both ends all the time. Um, so I've sort of, you know, realigned what what makes sense for me. And that's individual to each person. But 
you know, a lot of it comes down to sort of the the boundaries and and how are you taking these steps to carve out time for yourself or the things that you value because it's all going to just go out to everybody. Everyone's going to pull at you for something. And in your business, do you talk about when you coach people um, and they're in this, I uh, think, the, on the hamster wheel, as you said, yeah. um, do they deal with... Uh, you know, ways to relieve that stress, whether it's physical activity or whether it's nutrition changes, do they evaluate where they're at? Um, yeah, we talk a lot about that, like about, around like the micro steps of it, because their days are just packed and just determining like what part of your day, whether that's 15 or 20 minutes that you're going to get out for either a quick run or a walk or, or have that micro moments for yourself, because it's, um, it's a fast living culture that, um, you know, if you don't get a handle on what's your focus, it really can just go out the window. Um, and you're not really aligning sort of your priorities and what you need. I mean, even for myself, it's about 10 minutes, some days, 10 minutes, five minutes of meditation, maybe a 20 minute walk. I mean, I'm not talking like glamorous amounts of time, um, but I do those practices because that's that's the difference between me spinning and, and going to different places on just never doing it, uh, where I, I really align it. Um, you know, having sort of a grateful journal in the morning, I do some of that. Uh, maybe if I can't catch something in the day, I'm doing some stretching and yoga before bed, uh, cleaning up my sleep hygiene. It's all these pieces that I talk about with people because if you are so productive and your nervous system is like constantly in fight or flight mode, you know, I, I lived in that for years. It's just, uh, I always felt like a tiger was chasing me and that didn't serve me. It was like everyone in my household might as well have been on that same trajectory. It's not healthy. Yeah. And, um, I mean, I brought a lot of my unhealthy behavior into this household with the stress or pressures and so on. And that set a bad example for um, Quentin, who's watching, maybe not fully understand, but certainly watching the example and um, and didn't help Cindy either in her challenges. So I, I can relate to, you got, if you don't take care of yourself, uh, you're not much good to anyone else. So um, give us a, an example conversation, one you'll have with a client you know, what would be like, why would they contact you? And where would, uh, what type of suggestions uh, above what you've said already? I mean, I know um, I learned something from Quentin on nutrition. He's into that mode of really researching those type topics. And uh, we grew up and you're, I know you're a lot younger than I am, but still we didn't have to worry about the foods as much. I think they were much better. And um that's a major part in mental health too. Yeah. So just yeah. as examples, do you, do you have those? Do are they dietary conversations? Are they more about time management, or does it vary? Yeah, I mean, time management is actually a big one because that kind of aligns like the boundaries and things like that. But you know, a lot of my clients are working full time, and so you know, after their workday, wherever the lines are, whether that's five o'clock, six o'clock what they're also kind of dealing with is like the mental load of everything else that has to happen after five o'clock. And it's sort of the same rinse and repeat every day. And so 
when I am in these coaching sessions, I'm also validating their experience without judgment because there's just judgment everywhere of just how you do your life, how you spend your time, all of that. And so it is a little bit of looking at your daily schedule and your weekly schedule and aligning, you know, ways to take care of yourself. But we might also talk through like, you know, are they having extended family issues? Like where do they need to protect their energy or where do they need to maybe say, say no to some activities or look at their weekend and sort of do some editing there. So it's kind of like a holistic approach to, you know, what area do they want to look at and taking some micro steps to get there. So, you know, they come to me with like the kitchen sink. I mean, it could be their marriage. It could be their um, work situation. They could have a boss that is just relentless on them. We bring it all there, but then it's like, all right, what piece can we have a small win around or, um, you know, focus on to sort of get them through the next two weeks And then we look at the next session. How are we doing there? Do we keep on that or sort of move on to the next thing? And a lot of it is boundaries. A lot of it is, you know, checking that perfectionism piece. How can we do B? Do we really have to do A? Like, can we do B or B minus? And is everyone going to be okay? Um, You know, maybe it's just reframing what we're in and, and saying, you know, is their sleep really crappy? Let's work on the sleep. And like where where you need to lean into that. So then then you can sort of get through the next period. Because most of them, it's like every week, every day could be issues. Their whole family could go down with sickness. That takes a whole two weeks to kind of get back on, on track. So it's practical stuff. I mean, it's really, uh, I'm not judging you for anything in your life. I'm validating your experience because it's real. And most people have like really messy and complicated situations. And they need someone to kind of like process it because they feel like they're carrying the entire world on their shoulders, their children, their their kids. And and they they just need a little support to kind of align themselves, you know. Yeah. How would how would you. Um, so I watched, you know, Quentin's 20 now. I watched um, and pretty much by myself on some of these conversations through his teens and. Quentin was, you know, would tell me uh, the kids go out somewhere and how would you uh, view the way that moms use the phone and contacting and like we didn't grow up with any of that, right? You had to get to a phone booth. And um, I've always listened to people talk about how they track their kids with the phone on how they drive, you know, these new apps and so on and uh, how they know where they are all the time and um that's a that's a huge can of worms. I never really got into. I didn't do that with Quentin. Maybe partly because I didn't know how to do it, and partly because um, it just seemed like you would open a can of worms and not letting them live their life a little bit. And I know, um, you know, listening to Quentin, that that was hard for some of the kids too. So I'm yeah, with the balance on the social media thing, with not so much social media, but communicating through the phone. Yeah, I mean. I think that like goes into like a next level. Frankly, it probably scares me a bit, the tracking and and all those pieces. But I guess from my perspective, like I always want my kids to know they can come to me and they can communicate with me, even if it's like the good, the bad, the ugly. So I'd rather like instill that in a way that they know instead of feeling like I have to be like, what is it? Big brother, like 
looking down from all all places. But I know that there's a lot of parents that are are kind of the helicopter or really involved. But I still I try to keep it simple. Like I I don't want to be naive, but I also I want them to be able to know when they can tell me if they did something wrong or if they felt like it was wrong and and go from there. But I know with these devices, it's it's everywhere. I mean, Quentin knows a lot of those stories because he's they have a large group, right? Yeah, the Life Three Sixty. Is that the tracking with cars? Yeah, everything. You know, and you know he lived through that, and now I think. I see the parents with kids Quentin's age are now starting to let let them go a little bit, uh, whether it's they're off to school or they're working full time and they seem to be letting up. And yeah. I can't imagine what that do, does to moms. Yeah. The years is we all, I'm always worried when Quentin goes out the door in his car. Um, that's just normal. But to have these devices as part of that, I can't imagine sitting there with my phone tracking Quentin. Yeah. That just increases the mental anguish of it. Right. Right. I yeah. I mean, it's a, it's like a whole other thing of just the trust and the, you know, I, I don't really want someone to track me. I'm kind of a free spirit. I mean, I don't. Yeah. You wouldn't want to track me. <laughs> it, it's not very entertaining. There's nothing there. Yeah. I mean, I just want to, do what I want to do, but I, I, I don't know. It just feels kind of like too much on, on the kid and, and the pressure of it. But, you know, the, there's, there's an app and a device, you know, there is a system for everything today, you know, technology takes care of so much, but, um, you know, from my experience with, uh, people and kids and just, uh, all of us, we just want to know that someone's there for us and that, and that we're supported and that, um, that that they know that and they feel that and i and i tend to kind of lean on that in a real simple approach where as a parent and as somebody i i think that people feel that you don't even have to say it you know if you're there for someone and you're you're you just kind of keep on that path people people will know you know it's it doesn't take um having to track and go into all of those things yeah, yeah i'm yeah. still learning to listen better um maybe it got forced on me to learn to listen better and that was good but i think that's probably the the uh, setting the example and listening more is probably the best thing um so all the, all these moms have all these challenges and um you know say they want to start a small business like you and do they reach out to um try to find a professional end of it you know how to set it up because it seems like many more people almost are more trapped at home in some ways now than it used to be too. And I think it, that puts more pressure on moms as well. Yeah. I think people are kind of getting creative. I mean, I work with a lot of women too that have full-time jobs and then they also are starting businesses on top of their jobs as, you know, another creative outlet or another stream of income. I mean, everything's so expensive these days that uh, they're getting creative there. And that kind of also makes a, another layer of exhaustion and burnout. But I also feel like they are doing it because they want something that's their own uh, without sort of um, 
you know, their boss determining their day and their tasks, they kind of are able to create. And then there's some people that, you know, create their own stores or products and, and things like that, that sort of has that, that creative element. But I do see a lot of shifts happening in terms of, you know, women, they are really wanting sort of more flexibility and more remote work so that they can, um, be able to move about their their day and their lives in a way that works for them a little bit more. I mean, our society isn't built where our working hours are inside nine to three. They spill out. And then after school, uh, it affects a lot of people. I mean, I am on calls with people that that three to 6 p.m. period is tough since COVID of like, how do you get the coverage? How do you entertain your kids? Whatever it might be. Um we're just not set up where we're in alignment with schools and and work days and and I don't know if we'll we'll ever get there because our our country is built off of the productive Kool-Aid and and that's where we are so that's a good phrase the Kool-Aid part yeah this it and it just creates all this pressure i think it's more of what we want versus what we need kind of dominates the conversation and i'm sure i like you've expressed about your three children, they're the most important thing in the world to you, and yet you're getting all these pull and tugs that make that most important job even more difficult. And I'm sure the psyche of moms is strongly affected by that too. And you can't even let your kids just go run across the street and play with the other 20 kids like we did as kids. And um, that restricts you a little more or it makes you be concerned about a lot more issues than just them playing in the neighborhood. Um, some can do that, but it's not as easy as it used to be with all the structured time, activities and time slots, and you're becoming a cab service sometimes after school. Yeah. You know, it's really hard. So, yeah, so just people can find you. I mean, the social media just, that's also hard too, of just the access of, you know, predators and just different things like that scams like you don't know what's what and I think that even your discernment on on things online I mean I think it's happened to my uh my great aunt she like she bought one bag that she thought was a legitimate bag from a brand and it wasn't and um there's just a lot of things you have to sift through these days yeah yeah I'm, I'm not capable to I almost have to stay off of certain things so I don't get sucked in because I'm not knowledgeable enough, which I think that's easy to become part of the problem if you're not knowledgeable. Mm -hmm. But do you see, uh, or do you have any advice for us men so that we can lessen that load a little bit? Or here's your chance. Yeah. Um, you get a lot of comments from your customers. So here's your chance. What would you tell men? Like how can men lessen those pressures on their home, like knowing everyone is different, every home is different, but um, where can we improve in that? Yeah, I mean, I, I'll say to be honest, I mean, even being here today uh, really warms my heart because I know that both of you are in the personal development journey. And um, I think it's really about thinking about yourself as how do you want to be as like an involved partner? And like the mental load that I think women often carry, it's just you want to have someone who's in the trenches with you and can just take practical pieces and initiation without um, 
with just knowing what to do. But, you know, from my side, even if I, if I were to talk openly about it, um, from the time Mike and I, uh, were engaged and married, I said, you know, we're, we both need to kind of be in therapy to, to help us through, uh, our own pieces and, and just growth. So, you know, he has somebody, I have somebody and, and we come together for couples when we need to. And I say that openly because it's, it's a lot of work. And, you know, at, at first he, he didn't really buy into this, but, you know, he, his therapist is someone I can drop into that meeting with him and, and we come together and we talk about things. And I think that's what has really helped us and not, a lot of people want to go into that arena, but, you know, he's openly told me, yeah, you can share that, that I do that as well, because I don't, I don't think there's enough, um, men that get into that space. And I like his therapist. He's, I think he's probably in his sixties. He welcomes me when I want to drop in to do couples together. And, there's a lot to be said by my husband having support and me having support. So we're not like a, a burden dumping ground to each other. He goes there. He could talk about his job. He could talk about me. He could talk about uh, his family, my family, and there's a space for it. And then I have my therapist where I can talk about my individual things. And it just, it helps to not feel like we have to be everything to everybody. Like, I don't have to fill every bucket for Mike and he doesn't have to fill every bucket. And and certainly that's not feasible for anybody. And so that that's the lens that I, I look at it. And it might not be therapy for people. It might just be somebody that you trust or a mentor or uh, who it doesn't have to be that. And and I, I myself, I'm a coach. I'm not a therapist. And so I think that it's finding the right the right people and support and village that you need to sort of move in your life. I think uh, Quentin brought up something this morning and um, I had thought about it, but he had, he was saying it in a different way. And it's so true. Like the, um, I'm trying to remember that it was, uh, well, about, it was about the idea that you don't always want to be um, having conversations that, are complaining type conversations and so on. Like you want to be able to, um, they can't dominate the interaction, you mm -hmm. know, like trying to find solutions to whatever is challenging is, is the important part. And I think, um, you know, we've talked about therapists or, you know, the experience here. I mean, I had counseling with Cindy uh, trying to do better as a step parent and, um, you know, our experience was very helpful because we were both tight-lipped. Um, now I probably wouldn't need that just because I'm pretty free with saying how I feel. Quentin is a young 20-year-old way ahead of way ahead of me. And probably it's probably one of the comments I hear most about Quentin how he does express himself. Um, and I think the challenge that we had, um, although a horrible experience and sad, also created a lot of growth because of mm -hmm. the conversations that were had regarding it. You know, so I, I agree well, with yeah. you. It, I liked your comment about it. it doesn't, not so much whether it's a therapist, but just finding places to, to yeah. share. Yeah. And, 
And I think that that's like the hard part because, you know, mental health and, and certain stigmas and, and being able to express yourself, like that has to be with like psychological safety. You have to find people that you, you feel comfortable doing that with. And, you know, I'll I'll say even for myself, um, this personal or professional journey for myself, like I, I didn't really realize till about in my twenties that you could have a bunch of different feelings. I mean, in my house, it was more like black and white, like you're sad, you're happy. There's no shades in between. Uh, I suppressed a lot of emotions and feelings because it was just the, the push through attitude. And what I learned is like that, that didn't work. You know, it, 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 it all stores inside of you and your body and you need to find ways to, you know, take care of your experience to understand where your blind spots are and, and how to grow. And so for, for myself, you know, watching my parents who they did the the best they could with their knowledge and circumstances and background, they, um, they didn't want to burden anyone. And so that, that also takes a toll. And, and I want different for my kids. I want, I want my kids to, to learn that their well-being matters, that they, they can take a hold of, you know, hard experiences and challenges. So they know how to cope because most of us in life, we just have to learn how to cope and, and doing that without being able to share it or, or find ways to grow is um, that's an isolating experience. And I, and I had that experience because I, I didn't really share about when I was really in a tough spot with my burnout. And now I'm on the other side and learn like, you know, you can find support with it. You can find places to grow and, and places to manage it. Like I manage my, my anxiety and depression now. It's not perfect, but I manage it. Yeah. I think um, that's a, that's a good way to say it. Just, I don't think I had coping skills with skills at all with my emotions as a younger guy. And it would pretty much, my reactions would always be based on the culture I was in. So Mm -hmm. you had more of the machoism uh, when we were kids. And um, that wall between women and men was there all the time. Now, I mean, uh, kids now are friendly with women and men get together all the time. And they, they travel in groups, they socialize in groups much more than I ever remember. And I think that helps too. But I never... So I never was able to understand that type of relationship. Never mind, I didn't have a good example. Of, you know, I didn't have a father at home, so I didn't have that model to follow. And I think with coping skills, I think Quentin sees things at his age. He talks and thinks about things I never even thought of, never even mm-hmm. considered. Um, mm-hmm. They weren't in my world. So I think it makes him a much uh, well-rounded person than yeah. I was at the age of 20. And I'm not yeah, sure absolutely. If social media, the way he uses it, I think it helps him in a lot of ways. And you know, there's always negatives out there, no matter what. But I think, but Quentin, he's found the positives in that that I I will never know because I just don't live it. Yeah, well, I think, and it's what I was saying this morning when we talk about therapy and stuff like that. I think the problem that a lot of people have with with therapy is that so you use it as a space to then you're using it as a tool and it creates a space for you to talk freely about how you feel but I think a lot of people go in and it's kind of that's the only thing that they use as uh, a coping mechanism and they don't learn 
anything about themselves or how to deal with it outside of that therapist's office. And I think that's when a lot of people don't have success with it. So obviously you are constantly working on yourself and learning about yourself and with the, just with the type of work that you do. But I think a lot of people just use the therapy and then they're like, all right, I'm done for the day. Um, you know, that's all it took. And that, I think that's when it becomes a, you know, is it really worth the time with it? Yeah. Well, no, and I, I can appreciate that. And, um, you know, I kind of look at that. That's why I use this term micro step, because I think that you can't work on everything in your life. Like there's something always burning and it's almost like cleaning out closets in your house. Like you take care of one piece. And then when you feel like you're ready to like move on to graduate to the next, and you can look at that. I mean, most people's lives have like several areas that they sort of need work in and that's overwhelming in itself. And so like, I feel like, you know, if it's therapy or if it's, you know, working out or nutrition, like there's always like little pieces that you can look at, but you can't do it all at once. I mean, it's, it's just, it's too much to tackle, but I think when you see the improvement of one area, it's helpful. And a lot of it is, it is the mental health piece. Um, the, the mindset around, uh, being able to improve or, or take care of a, a daily habit, it, it's a tremendous amount of work and motivation, um, and I think all of us are, are, we do the best we can with the circumstances and, and what we have. Um, but for most people, like you want to be validated, you want to be in the arena where someone, you know, doesn't, uh, negate or, or not understand what you're going through. I think that, um, do you think we're in this almost like with the therapy where people throw their arms up in the air and the guy says, yeah, I'll go to I'll go to a couple therapy almost to check the box. Like I'm trying, you know, I'm working yeah. this as opposed to like Quentin explained that better. I couldn't remember the conversation. And it was, it's more like, okay, you take what you learn there. You don't have to rehash the whole thing outside of that, but you do have to remove yourself from that arena and then apply some of what you learn. Well, yeah. And I mean, I hear a lot of people, yeah. Time. I hear a lot of people, it makes it worse, you know, yeah. like, like, or, or, or doesn't feel like it works, but I do feel like even for myself, um, when I've worked on myself and, and recognize that, you know, my partner, husband is going to be on a different growth trajectory and accepted that I felt better because then I can just keep working on myself and it's okay. Like if, wants to stay in that lane that's okay but maybe we'll work towards one one slice of the puzzle or whatever it might be but you all you have to also be at peace with like you know if you're going to go into a marriage or a relationship there's going to be certain things that it is like the way they are you're not going to change that you're just right. going to like live your experience and your growth in the way that works for you you know i mean there's plenty of people that stay together that have all sorts of quirky things and, and, and issues. And, um, we're all on a path to, to kind of do what we're supposed to do or fulfill and we do the best we can, you know, that that's what it is. Yeah. I find, I mean, Quentin and I are still resolving things as he grows and I learn more hopefully, and I'm not stopped growing by any means. I don't want to, but, um, He's always changing as whether you're talking about a partner as, as a spouse or a partner in life. And 
since I want to keep this relationship growing and being positive, I can't always look through my eyes. And I mean, I say it several all the time. I'm saying, okay, I got to back off, you know, and just, um, he's a smart young man and he can learn and do things. And he has the right to dictate his own path and write his own story. And I think as we get older into relationships, we stop doing that. We, we expect our, our partner to be thinking on the same lines as us. And yet we come from totally different experiences, uh, which di- dictates our mindset. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's impossible to always be on the same page, but it's okay. And I think that's what, I mean, I'm grateful for my relationship with my son because I'm still learning the intensity of how he feels toward Quentin as you would toward your husband Mm-hmm. kind of makes you want to succeed and yeah. it's very motivating to want success you don't want to fail and if you're trying to control the other person then that is a form of failure yeah because the relationship's only working for one so that's- yeah i'm i'm kind of curious as you're talking on that line uh quentin from your perspective with your age group do you feel that uh, the young men of your age are more open to talking about things openly, like expressing how they feel and sort of the mental health piece. Or do you still feel like that it might be more buttoned up or, you know, not, I don't know, embraced? Yeah, I think people are more open to talking about things. And and for a lot, like this is one of the reasons that I have a problem or not a problem, but I get confused with the world of mental health because we're always telling people talk more, talk more, talk more. And I feel like people are talking more than ever, but there's still something going on. And I think a lot of it comes when, um, like you said, um, you want people want to feel validated and like someone's listening to them. And I think that's true, but I think a lot of people don't know how to respond when they aren't validated. And then, and they, maybe they feel like they aren't heard. So they speak, but then the other side doesn't react the way they want. And then it ends up affecting them more. And I think that lack of comfort in uh, oneself, like I used to feel very uncomfortable in my own skin. Now, if I go have these conversations with people, if they don't you know, respond or listen, it doesn't really affect me because I'm so comfortable with myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's where the problem is that people I don't think there's that journey of like finding out about yourself anymore. Like I spend a lot of time in thought, writing, reading, uh, even just sitting, thinking late at night. And I think the phones have taken over a lot of that time where people resort to scrolling or texting and relationships. You're never separated and individual. You're always dependent on the other because you're always waiting for a text back or tracking location. So I think there's a lot of unhealthy methods that go into people not being comfortable with themselves. Yeah, no, and I, I, I can relate and see that. And I think, you know, just mere kindness goes a long way. And there's a lot on social media that, you know, people will spend a lot of time just commenting on posts that are just so unkind. And it's just, why are we wasting so much energy on this? But I think, like you said, where, you know, building your, your confidence and your, your inner self to know, like, I know for me, like, I'm not for everybody. Like someone might land on my page and I'm not for everybody. Frankly, there might be some people that like do not understand my story and that's okay. Like I have to, I have to know that, you know, 
whoever enters my world or zone is is someone that um, wants to have that conversation. But it is tough for for people that want to share, you know, something that's going on with them. I mean, even in the realm of just if they're struggling and and not to be received by it. And I think that the piece of teaching kindness, whether it's at home or in schools or wherever we are, a, a little goes a long way. Um, I always but- get frustrated with, I think we do talk about it from a, the educational experience is more about those things. At least, you know, you walk into the schools, you see all the words up on the walls and so on. But I don't know if we're walking the walk. And again, the example is so strong. And I'd rather see young people uh, gain confidence in themselves and see them know that they don't have to get attention by acting a certain way. They should feel, you know, good about themselves and like who they are and reinforce that versus um, at such a young age being told all these things to about everybody else. But what about, I think they get, they themselves personally get left behind sometimes. And I yeah. had a woman say to me the other day, she, her big concern was that she uh, made her kids feel confident and secure as young people. So that that would then, whether they, she has two girls and two boys. And she said, it didn't matter. I wasn't, we didn't treat them different, whether they were girls or boys, but we always tried to feed their confidence mm-hmm. and make them aware, but not let them think that they had to do all those things in the culture. They had to take care of themselves and be a good person. And they would then be positive for the culture. I think we always try to put that effort on the kids. That's our job as adults. Oh We're yeah. Taking the kids' lives away from there earlier, I think. They don't get to be kids long enough. And I yeah. think when, you know, now they should develop that uh confidence and go out there, express themselves, let it come out wrong. But mm-hmm. God forbid you say anything that's offensive anymore. And yet that was part of being a young person. You learned what you could say just because your emotions were out there. You learned conflict resolution and so forth. Right. I, right. I think that's really hard now. Well, yeah. yeah. And there's just like everything's like a comparison now yeah. because, you know, before social media, there used to be like picture albums. You'd go to somebody's house, you could like look at the family pictures. Now, everybody's lives and highlight reels and everything is online and a lot of virtual space, like you were saying, of just like scrolling and just mental numbing that the, the humanness and being able to even uh, be in person with people. I think there's like also like a social anxiety and a social discomfort because of what, what happened the past couple of years. So People are also like learning just how to be back together. <laughs> so where are your kids with COVID? I mean, I, don't know I, them. I mean, you only have really um, one that probably was directly influenced by it, right? Yeah, I mean, Emma, I think uh, when, when she was in kindergarten, she was still wearing a mask part of the time. But I mean... I, I can't pinpoint like how much it did to them, but I just feel like we are, we're, we're still in like the, the changes and, and everything of, of being isolated. And um, yeah, I, I just think the technology and the social media piece and the, and the, the speed in which uh, our lives are moving 
it's it's hard also to find people that are want to try to find peace or alignment or or well-being in their lives it's kind of almost a um like a rebellion like or, or you have to find people that are against the grain um like i i know for myself like i i don't want to be on the hamster wheel and i don't want to uh live that chaotic life so i i have a smaller group of people or uh that that kind of follow a different line you know because the the rest of the world is on that i mean i i'm around parents that have their kids in like a zillion sports and they just they're tired their eyeballs are popping out and i just i'm i'm on a different page you know and yeah, and you have to find your, your way i think it's a lot of a lot of stuff and i think um your mission on being a coach for people that you can relate and hopefully they can relate to your situation is really helpful. Um, I always search out the people that I think can help me when I have a concern and for them to know that something is offered like what you're offering, um, hopefully they will reach out and, um, you know, some, maybe it works, maybe it doesn't, but at least they learn something and they're trying, they're not mm -hmm. getting overwhelmed. They're trying to find the solution. So tell us how people can, you know, get a hold of you or contact you? Yeah. So my website is uh, christineanastasia.com. I'm also on Instagram. Uh, my name on there is Village Coach Mama, but I'm also on all the other platforms as well, like LinkedIn and Twitter and YouTube. So this was a, a great conversation and I really appreciate the time. Oh, well, thank you very much. And uh, it's always funny to see someone you knew when they were 17, 18 versus, you know, much older and uh, it was great talking to you. You do. You have a great idea to do and to hopefully your business grows and we're certainly going to support it when we can. Thank you both. Right. Yeah, thank, thank you. you.